0: It came out of Britain where there was a woman named Dawn Spencer Smith. Uh, all her life she had dreamed about living and traveling in an RV. And so she spent uh, 45,000 pounds, which is like $90,000 on a second-hand um, motorhome. And, and she was driving it for the first time when the accident happened. 62 years old, she spent her life savings to by this four-year-old vehicle, but two days later, it was all written off as a total loss when it veered out of control and hit a tree as she was driving down on a public road. Pleading guilty to reckless driving, Don Spencer Smith, a retired librarian, stunned the court by saying that she'd been confused by what the cruise control actually meant. She said, I thought it was like an autopilot, that you get on airplanes and so she had presumed that the cruise control was somehow uh, connected to the gps system of the uh, motorhome, and, and and she uh, thought that that would just negotiate the roads for her safely so you can imagine her surprise when uh, the rv uh, hit a tree at 40 miles an hour as she was in the back making tea for herself and she was thrown unhurt to the sofa now on realizing her mistake she was very grateful that no one was killed But the court did ban her from driving for 12 months and fined her 1,200 pounds, which is about $24,000. And uh, the article that I was reading ends like this. She refused to comment any further to the media outside of the court. You you wonder why she didn't want to say anything more because she, she probably felt pretty embarrassed at that point. Now, what that has to do with our spiritual lives, uh, we will see that in a moment, but first it's for, first of all, it's good to be back. Uh, I'm not quite well yet, but I don't have the vid, so that's good. Um, I just have the crud, so if you continue to pray for me, that, that'd be awesome. I, I want to thank Gabe for um, filling in for me uh, last week and, and filling you all in on the, uh, on more about uh, the uh, the reasons that we want to be a church that plants churches as our primary method of growing God's kingdom. Uh, And I hope that you were uh, inspired by what Gabe uh, brought to us, and and, uh, we're going to be hearing more and more about that. This morning, we are in the fourth sermon on the series called Making 77 Look Good. Uh, We are, as a church, 77 years old. Somebody in the third service actually uh, misunderstood, thought that I was 77, and she said... Well, you look good for 77. I said, thank you. That's not what I meant. Uh, but I, I think that we as a church looks good, look, look good at uh, 77. Anyway, we, we turned 77 and essentially this is a series on kind of a spiritual checkup for each one of our lives so that we could be a healthy church uh, ready for our second surge. Today, I want to share a story about another seasoned citizen uh, found in the Old Testament, we find his story actually uh, in two parts. Found in two of our Old Testament books. One is in Numbers chapter thirteen. We, we don't have to go there, uh, we're, but we will refer uh, back to that from time to time. And then it's in the Old Testament book of Joshua chapter fourteen. So if you'll take your Bibles, and if you don't have a Bible, there it should be one somewhere in the vicinity, uh, in a chair rack underneath you. If you have, if you find the soft bound, uh, it's on page. I, I got the page numbers now because I, I realize that uh, oftentimes we get people who uh, are not uh, that uh, familiar with the Bible and how it's laid out. If you have a soft cover Bible, it's on page 124. If uh, you are using the chair Bible and it's a hard cover, I think it's on page 167. If you have your own Bible that you brought from home, I have no idea. You're on your own. Uh, there is a table of contents though, so in the beginning of your Bible, and you can find Joshua, sixth book of the Bible, by the way, sixth book, Joshua, chapter 14. And while you're going there, let, let me fill you in on the background of this man's story. Now, if you recall, God had used a man named Moses to bring the people of God out of slavery in Egypt, and then he used, after Moses died, he used another man named Joshua to actually lead the people into the promised land. Now, taking the promised land took a long time, and there were years and years and years of battles and war, and finally, at this point of the story, Joshua 14, the land of Canaan, is finally under the control of the people of Israel. And now comes the joy of divvying it up. Who gets what? Now, I don't know about you, but dividing things up, that may not be the greatest joy that families ever experience. I don't know if you've ever had the horror stories of having a a parent die, and and then you and your siblings have to get together, because these really guys, these were siblings. They were descendants of the 12 sons of Jacob. And, and, And you can you can tell that it could have really turned into a mess. Uh, maybe, maybe you've never experienced that yet, but maybe you have kids that are kind of the same age and it's time to share and, and you've got to maybe divvy it up in the, the right way, in a fair way, right? My, my mom was genius. If you have two kiddos, listen to what my mom did with my older sister and I. She had one of us, if it was a candy bar, she had one of us cut it and the other one got to choose. Think about that. Think how brilliant that is, because the first one who's cutting it is, is like bringing out the, the ruler and making sure, because uh, God forbid that you actually get one half a little bit bigger than the other half, and then your sibling chooses the bigger one, right? So that, that's genius. But the way that the Canaan, uh, that the Israelites did here in dividing up the land of Canaan, well, that was a very interesting biblical way. It was called casting lots, Now, you can read online and in several commentaries about what casting lots actually was, and and there's a whole lot of different opinions about how it was, Uh, but they all come down to the, the high priest who had two stones called the Urim and the Thummim, and there, the speculation is that one of them may have been a light stone and one was a dark stone. And whether uh, he reached into his pocket and after they prayed, God show us what, which one and, and whatever came out. Uh, that was what God would want you to do. Or, or there's some people who actually say that they were sewn into the, the, the garment of the, the high priest. And so they, they glowed. One of them glowed if the answer was yes. And one of them glowed if the answer was no. We, we don't know. Uh, th- that's not the, the main point. It doesn't matter. The main point is that when they would cast lots for the dividing up of the land, God's people truly believed that who got what was left entirely to God's will. It was in the hands of God. There would be then no objection. Nobody was going to go to God and say, well, that's not fair. We didn't get the the, the big part of the candy bar. Whatever God said, they all trusted God. And here's the thing. Once that land was divided, it did not mean that everything was over. Because there were still enemies living in the land that needed to be conquered. But what this meant now is that instead of all of them conquering all of the people at the same time, each tribe that got land, they were now responsible. The tribe, the families of that tribe were responsible for their territory to continue the work that God had called them to do. To drive out the enemy so that they could have that land as their inheritance. Now, Follow me on this. Oftentimes, when one gets to be the ripe age of 77, they figure it's about time that they put in their work. It's about time for them to be able to kind of kick back, kick up their their feet, and and just relax. They've earned their pension. uh, They've entered into retirement, and many people then take the chance now to to pick up stakes and go RVing. Do I have any RVers here in in the building today. Anybody who's done that, who's bought an RV and that they've explored, you know, one, one thing I know about RVing, and t- tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong or not, by the way, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do in life. I, I don't want to get down on anybody to, that, that buys an RV and, and does that to finally make their own hours and spend some quality time with their spouse to see the beautiful country that we live in. In fact, I, I hope one day to have an RV of my own so that I can go at least part-time RVing. Um, But one thing I know about RVing is this. Before the actual relaxing part, there are a lot of preparations to be made before you go RVing. I mean, it's it's almost like a full-time job to get ready to go so that you can then go on vacation and kick back and and, and relax. Yes, your retirement has been earned, but if you're going to go travel by RV for any good amount of time, like the Israelites were responsible for completing the task of conquering the people in their territory, there is some work to be done. And so today, I want to talk about a man named Caleb and the preparations he had to make in his life in order to do what God wanted him to do. And to help us remember his preparations, uh, these are all going to be uh, RVs. Uh, they're all going to start with the letters R and V, okay? make my dad proud. This is something that he would do in his sermons. So first of all, I want us to see Caleb's renewed vision, his renewed vision. So again, we're in, we're in, uh, we're in Joshua chapter 14. And if you look at Joshua 14 verse 6, apparently before the, the dividing of the, the, the land to the tribes, Caleb came to Joshua to remind him of a promise that God had given him. Look Look at verse 6. It says, the men of Judah approached Joshua, the leader there at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. Caleb then goes on to tell the story about how he and Joshua had been two of the 12 spies that had been sent out to scope out the land before they entered into the land. And this is what he said in verses 7 through 9. He says, He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me that the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So here's the deal. Going back to that, now the account back in Numbers 13, 45 years prior to this event right now, the spies had been sent out by Moses, 12 guys, one from each tribe to go and scope out the land to see what it was like and, and, and what kind of people they would encounter as they were going to conquer the land. Not one of those spies, when they came back, disagreed on the value of the land. They all said, it's an amazing land. It's everything that God promised us and even more, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And they did not disagree about the description of the people and the cities that they saw there. The cities were well fortified. They were large cities. And the people living there were numerous. And there were indeed giants living in this land. So there was no disagreement on any of that. The, the disagreement came about how people saw the situation. The people of the land, they were huge. They were huge. They were scary. And 10 of the spies saw only the danger in going into the land. God said, I want you to go into the land. I want you to conquer. This land is your land. They looked and they said, yeah, but it's dangerous. The mission is awfully dangerous. So that was 10 of them. Two of them, Caleb and Joshua, they, did, they, they saw the danger. But beyond the danger, they saw the opportunity that was there. See, the, the majority of the spies, they, they measured those giants in, in, in comparison to themselves. What Joshua and Caleb did was they were measuring the giants as compared to their God, okay? And so here's the cool part. No matter how negative the press had turned, Caleb dared to disagree with them, and he called it fake news with incredible confidence and in promises of God Caleb, it says in Numbers 13, quieted the people and shouted, let us go up at once and take possession. Why? Because we are well able to overcome it. Joshua and Caleb took a stand. They challenged Israel to go in obedience and act in faith. But what probably was one of the most frustrating things that anybody who has a vision from God could encounter, the people heard what they were saying and they rejected what they were saying. They sided with the 10 spies that said, it's too dangerous. And not only were Caleb and Joshua ignored, but if you read the story there in Numbers chapter 13, they were actually threatened. Their lives were threatened for telling the truth. That doesn't happen in today's world anymore, does it? Hmm. They were telling the truth and they almost got stoned to death for their trouble. Folks, when those around you cannot see what God has given you the eyes to see, I know that that can be frustrating. I get it. But if we have learned anything over the last few years here, we should know that, folks, this right here is Jesus' church. It's not your church. It's not my church. Yes, we're a part of it. We're a part of the body. But this is Jesus' church. And if you're a part of this, then you are Jesus' church. And what did Jesus promise us? He said, well, listen... You are my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. It may seem that our culture is winning right now, but folks, we've read the end of the book, right? We know how this thing ends, right? We get so worried about the culture and this world, and they're winning and they're pushing us away. We don't have a say anymore. But you know what's gonna happen to them, right? But by the way, by the way, do you know what actually happens to the ten? that that everybody listened to, that everybody thought was so popular. Hey, here's an intriguing historic side note. So uh, Jenny and I, uh, when we got married, we have six kids uh, between us, three girls, three boys. Two of our boys, one's named Caleb and one's named Joshua. Caleb and Joshua. I'm sure that you know somebody named Caleb and you probably know somebody named Joshua. Those are common names that people name their kids today. But here's these 10 other people that the, the whole nation of Israel listened to, thought was much more popular, that, they, that their say was going to live on in infamy. I will give 20 bucks. Don't cheat. I will give 20 bucks for anybody who can name all 10 of those who said, we are not going to go in. Oh, see, we, we don't name our kids Shemua or Shaphat or Igal or Galeel right? We we don't name our kids after them. Those people have been forgotten. Isn't that ironic? Though The ones that everybody thought were the most popular, oh, we got to listen to them. It's the people who stand up for what they believe in against the tide. Those are the ones that get remembered. Amen? See, Caleb and Joshua had seen the exact same thing as the other 10 people, but he had a different perspective. See, God had shown him God's vision. Were, 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 the, were the people big? Of course they were. But it was, the land was amazing, and God says, I'm going to give you this land. See, God saw a future where Canaan had been conquered, and Caleb caught that vision. Now, back to Joshua 14, now 45 years later. Here he is, way past his 77th birthday, by the way, and what kept him going was his RV. His renewed vision. It was a vision that he had 45 years ago, but now it was back. He had a renewed vision. He knew what he wanted. He was standing there, and he was looking up at the hill country, and and he saw some of the richest and the most fertile land. And no matter that that was where the, the giants were the biggest and the cities were the most fortified, Caleb knew that God was greater than anything that the enemy could throw at him. He remembered God's promise, and his vision was renewed for what God wanted to do in his life, because this was the country that he wanted, because this was the country God promised him. So secondly, I want you to see Caleb's resolute valor, his resolute valor. Often we hear sermons where the idea might be really, really good, But somehow, the preacher does not show us where the rubber meets the road. In other words, a lot of sermons out there where there's some great and lofty ideals, but there's no practical way to apply what we've learned to our life. You see, folks, it's one thing to have a renewed vision, to understand what God wants in your life. But if you don't step out in courage and valor, then why even have a renewed vision? you you, got to put yourself out there. Otherwise, it's not going to mean anything unless you have extraordinary valor. I I want you to see the bravado of this 85-year-old man. This bravado found in verses 10 through 12. This This is still Caleb talking to Joshua. He says, now then, Joshua, just as the Lord promised, he's kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. Almost as old as some as you. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said Folks, that should be every disciple of Jesus' cry, their rallying cry. And I love actually how the King James Version puts it there in verse 12. Give me this mountain. Give it to me. I'm not shying away from it. I'm not running away from it. You know, we sang the song, you know, where where we see mountains, God sees a way through it, right? Give me this mountain. It's nothing compared to God. Give me this mountain. By the way, every time that we... Uh, reach out to plant a church in this area we should be praying that lord give us this mountain give us this ridge give us this valley give us this community give us this city whatever it is that's the kind of valor that god desires from us his people now what, what drives caleb to that resolution and that that valor it's there at the end of 12 verse 12 he says but the lord helping me I will drive them out, just as he said. And I want to point out three things there. Number one, the Lord helping me. Folks, you need to know this. We must, as God's people, have the faith to say, to know in our knower, way down to the bottom of our hearts, where God calls us, he will always empower us. God's not there to, to set us up for failure. If he's calling you to something, he's going to empower you. If God calls you into a life of holiness, which he does, by the way, that's why then he gives you the Holy Spirit. So that the Holy Spirit begins to work on you and sanctify you and bring you more like like Jesus. If God calls us to make disciples in this world, then, then we must know that Jesus promised us that he will be with us even to the end. And God may be calling you to take a stand in a particular area in this time and place that you live in today. Please understand, God is not going to abandon you if he's called you to that position. If God's vision for your life has been renewed in you, then know this, he's going to help you. He's going to help you. You are not alone. The Lord helping me. Number two, he says, at the end of that, he says, as he said, there it is again. Caleb is relying on God's word, what God said, his plans, his purpose, his promises, now, I will tell you this, because I'm, I'm not one of these just health and wealth and prosperity guys. I, I, I'll never say that because I, I've had more experience that, that God sometimes allows me to wallow out there for a while before he comes in and rescues me. Uh, he promises us the victory. Now, it may not play out in your timing. It may not look like how you imagine it to look. But I will tell you this, if you have faith in God, then you must understand that God is not a liar And if he said that you're going to win, you will win. You can believe it if he said it. But you don't just sit back and let him do everything. Because the third thing I want you to see from that verse is Caleb said, I will drive them out. The Lord helping me, as he said, I will do this. I will drive them out. There it is, folks. Our faith must, must lead to action. It's not enough to just say you believe in God's word. If there are no actions, no life change, no obedience, no courage to step out and face the giants in your life, then your faith is dead. That's what the book of James tells us. Now, don't get me wrong. God did not save you by your good works. There's nothing that you can do good in order for God to say, Oh, wow, you are so good. Come on in. That's not how it works. But God did save you so that you could be on his team, so that you can begin to do the good works that he actually planned for you to do way in advance. Resolute valor comes from knowing that your commanding officer has already scoped out the land, he's already devised the most ingenious battle plan, and all you've got to do is get out there and drive whatever it is you need to drive out. Caleb did this at 85 years old. He got into his RV... He did not put the cruise control on and just let it go. He, he got into that RV, the resolute vigor, and he drove like heaven. Thank you, Pastor Glenn. <laughs> Lastly, I, I want you to take note of Caleb's realized victory. If you read the rest of the chapter, it's pretty amazing. Verses 13 and following. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh. And gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since. Because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. And then the land had rest from war. I am so looking forward to the day that we can have rest from the spiritual battles that rage in our lives. God promises us that one day we will step into eternity and we won't have to fight those battles anymore because he will do away with the enemy once and for all. But until that time, folks, we have a mission. Joshua blesses Caleb's mission. And verse 14 says, listen, here's the results. Hebron has belonged to Caleb ever since. Why? Because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. If you have not realized the victory in your life yet, then guess what? you're not done yet. There's still more for you to conquer. There are still areas in your life that need to be more fully given over to the Lord. There are still mountains to be won, Anakites in your life to defeat. The secret to Caleb's successful RVing, this realized victory, is found in the last word of verse 14. What is that word? Wholeheartedly. Now, now, just, you want to have some fun? I want somebody to look back at verse eight and tell me what the last word in verse eight is. So just, just shout it out. What's the last word in verse eight? Wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. What's the last word in verse nine? Apparently you're the only one with the Bible today. Good job, kiddo. Whole do you see a do you see a do you see a pattern? You, you think maybe this is important to God? Do you see now why Caleb's life and faith was so important? Because he followed God with his whole heart. He didn't do it halfway. If you have not seen your victory yet, your book ain't finished yet. You've got more chapters to write. That was going to be easy? Well, we had a wonderful promise from Jesus. Right before he died, he said, uh, In this world, you will have trouble. Isn't that a great promise from God? Yes, you, if you are on my team, Jesus said, you're going to encounter problems. But here is the comfort. He says, but don't fear. Take courage, in fact. Take heart because I have overcome the world already. So it's up to us as his people to wholeheartedly get out there in our RVs and do what Jesus called us to do, to rescue those who are dying without him. To bring hope to those who have been spit out by life. To share the love of Jesus with the people who have a long, long time ago forgotten that they have value to their Heavenly Father. They, like the prodigal son, have run far, far away. And they've squandered the life that God gave to them. And now they are destitute and ashamed. Folks, those are the people that oftentimes Christians ignore and condemn with our words and our actions. Folks, those are the people that need to know more than anybody else that the Father is waiting for them to come back. He is desperately longing for them to come home so that he can give them the welcome of a favored son. So if we're going to be doing these things, guys, do you think that there's going to be obstacles? Oh, you bet. We've got an enemy, you know, and he he doesn't like to give up the, the territory that he has control over now. He's blinded these people. He's captured them. They are prisoners of war. And he's going to fight with every ounce of his being to keep them away from eternal life. So he's going to throw things at you to keep you distracted, to, 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 to make you stumble, to, to stop you from doing the mission. Some of you uh, knew my mother-in-law, Maureen, a great lady, passed away just about six weeks ago or so. About a month before she passed away, though, mom got to do one more RV trip with her husband, my father-in-law, John. And at the very beginning, it started, the obstacles started to fly at them. They, they were just driving along, and, and they were turning a corner, and the refrigerator door just blew, blew off. Food went everywhere. It was, it was crazy. They, they had a huge mess to, 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 to uh, clean up. Patch, one of their dogs, almost died of overheat in the RV. Um, uh, whenever they would go to these national sites that were located within native lands, those they found were closed due to COVID. Um, while they were traveling up a steep and narrow road where there was no turnaround, their transmission went out, started to smoke, and it wasn't just smoking from the uh, engine compartment, but it was leaking into the, their, their compartment that they were driving in. Once they got up the, the hill, finally, they came to the RV park and it said it was full. And then on the way home, the RV kept breaking down on the last leg of the trip three or four times. You see, the enemy will use whatever he can to stop you from doing the mission. Uh, he'll use our culture and the discouragement that so many believers I see today fall into because they, they see and they think that the culture's winning. He'll use bad advice from well-meaning relatives in your life. He will use discouragement from those that you thought were your friends. He's going to tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not spiritual enough, that you're not Christian enough. He tells you you're too weak, too inexperienced, and like Caleb, way too old. Way too old. Anytime somebody says, oh, you're kind of past uh, what God can use. I, I, I tell them about Brother Bill Jessup founder of San Jose Bible College, now it's known as William Jessup University, after, after the founder, Brother Bill. Uh, Brother Bill was about 77 years old when I first met him back in 1976. And he would hold at the Bible College, uh, once a year, these conferences for aged saints, for the seasoned citizens And they would all come in their RVs and things like that. And they would listen to uh, Bible teaching. And they would have little uh, uh, powwows together and and seminars that they would go to. And and I think that this would be a great thing for us to do here uh, one day. Just kind of a, a vision of mine. But he would always say this. He would always say this every year. He would tell these people, listen, there is no retirement in the work of the Lord. Now, you may have earned retirement in your career. You have worked long and you deserve your rest. But when it comes to your work for God, there is no retirement, Bill would tell you. There is no retirement for the work of the Lord. See the Satan's gonna throw so much at us, but we cannot let him stop our progress. My mother in law and my father in law, they kept going. And when they returned home, you would have thought that they would have complained about their trip. But I got to tell you, they would tell you that that was one of the greatest trips that they had had in a long time. And they would give you quite a few stories of how God intervened to keep them encouraged despite the obstacles they faced. Excuse me. My mother in law, about six weeks ago, passed away. She was 77. Our church is 77. And boy, did she make 77 look good. She never let any of her ailments slow her down. She was active in church. She was active in Bible studies. She kept doing what God called her to do until the day he called her home. She made 77 look good, and she was RVing all the way. So, Gabe, why don't you bring your your team up. What has God been prompting you to do today what has god been putting on your heart is it to finally stop struggling against what you know deep down in your heart to be right that jesus really is god's son that he really did die for your sins and that he rose again three days later and he wants to be your lord and savior to bring you back into a god's good graces into his family maybe it's time to open yourself up more fully to the power of the holy spirit as he Brings God's word into a sharper focus, almost like a scalpel, ready to cut out those sinful habits that keep tripping you up. Maybe it's to step out in faith, finally, and to go to that person or that people group or that place in your community or even to a nation across the globe to share Jesus' love to a world that is lost. Whatever it is, let me tell you this, God is not looking for perfect people. Caleb was not perfect. It's not your ability. It's your availability. And Caleb was very available for God to use him. So as a church and as individuals in the church, are you ready to make 77 look good? Are you ready to get into your RV and go? Then do it. The renewed vision, the resolute valor, the realized victory with rousing vivaciousness. Do it with raucous volume. Do it with resurgent vigor. And by the way, if you think of any more, email them to me. I'd love to share them with my father who loves this kind of thing. Be willing to renounce vice. Reject victimhood. Be willing to have a heart to reap the vineyard. And whatever RV you are driving, keep doing it. Keep on keeping on. Roll on valiantly. The secret to Caleb's success was that over his many years of service, it was he did it wholeheartedly. It was there at the beginning of his relationship with God and it was there at the end of his life as well. And as your pastor who loves you and loves serving as your pastor, I want us to be able to say the exact thing that was said about Caleb. Give me this mountain and watch what God does. Would you stand with me? I want to pray with us and then we're going to close our, our, our service with a, just a song of response. Um, Thank you for being a, a part of what we do uh, here, and if uh, again, as uh, Pastor Scott said, if you uh, are new to us and would like to just meet somebody, uh, make sure that you go out there, and, um, and oh, and we are picking up the chairs again, uh, it is the season, uh, for our Awana kids, for our Awana ministry, not for me, but for our Awana kids, uh, stack them six, uh, six high, and put them maybe over there on that, on that wall, that would be good, uh, many hands make light work, let, let me pray, and, and then we'll uh, sing, and then we'll pick up chairs. Father God, thank you so much for, uh, for uh, people like Caleb who did not let the obstacles stand in his way. Not even his age, God. He, he had this amazing vitality in his life. And I would pray, God, that we would get into our RVs, our restored vision, our, 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 our renewed vision, our vigor, and the realized victory that is waiting for us if we just continued to pray, God, give us this mountain. Thank you so much for uh, calling us to be your people by your name. And God, I pray that you would shine through us this week. God, we love you. And we thank you for this time that we have gathered together to be with you and to to give you the honor in our life. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said.